Hello, you are welcome to the very first Good Boss, Bad Boss podcast. My name is Stephen Norton and I will be your host for what I hope will be an interesting perspective on the world of work and leadership. What makes a great boss? Every day across the world, people sit down at lunch break with their workmates and absolutely rip into their bosses. They criticise their decisions, their behaviour and even their clothes. Everyone has an opinion on the boss. Even bosses have an opinion on their boss. It's a position of power and a target all at the same time. Why? Because bosses impact our lives. Five days a week for sure, and depending on what's happening, it can be 24-7. It's a huge responsibility and one that shouldn't be taken lightly. Yes, I have been a boss too, of large teams and small. Was I a good boss? Um, kind of. Mm, I, I was good at some things and absolutely bombed at some other things. Maybe a few episodes down the road, I'll invite some of my old team on to tell you the real stories behind me being a boss. But for now, let's just explore other people's experiences. This monthly podcast hopefully will entertain you with tales of barmy bad bosses and genuine good bosses. And in the end, I hope we will all discover a little bit more about leadership and the world of work. Okay, less of my yap. My first guest is an internal communications and engagement expert who has worked with some massive companies and is now founder and director of Inspiring Change. Scott McGuinness is from Scotland originally, and as you will hear, he was ruthlessly torn away from his homeland as part of an Irish government population programme. But he's one of us now. You can tell because he can't take a compliment. We met at his office in the very cool Tara buildings in Dublin City, so wherever you are listening, please sit back and enjoy. Good afternoon, Scott. Hello. Thanks, thanks very much for being uh, the first person to say yes. The first person I asked as well, which is really interesting. So uh, I have 100% strike rate. So far. Yeah, which I'm really pleased about. Um, Scott, you've got your own podcast, which is Face Forward, and that's what you know, I, I've always said it, that you did the podcast that I was going to do. I'm sorry. Uh, you stole the march. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to do something else. So here we are on Good Boss, Bad Boss. And I was thinking about this before we met and, a, and after we had a chat last week. And I was thinking, I think I'm going to be your cheeky little brother podcast. Excellent. So that's what's going to happen. So I'm going to be the little brother that comes in and says something terrible and then embarrasses the whole family podcast. I like. I, th I think probably good boss, bad boss is a, is a sharper title, probably. <laughs> right. No, face forward is good. Face <laughs> forward is good. And of course, we will take this opportunity to recommend people listen to it. Anybody who hasn't listened to it uh, already, it's available on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all of those, all of the rest. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Great stuff. So, I've talked to you a little bit about what this, hmm. where we go with this. So, the first thing I like to ask anybody, whether I'm coaching or chatting with them, is is so how the hell did you get here first? How the hell did you get here? Cool. Give us give us that brief thing of like, so I took off the school tie and... Bang. So first of all, thanks for having me on. And it's really weird being the other side of the podcast table because as you said, I'm normally the one asking the questions. So this will be interesting, um, being being asked the questions. Um, 
I guess it's funny. I've been in, in communications for 20 years. Um, I started off my, my career in Apple straight from college. Um, I majored in marketing in my final two years. Um, and then I went to PA Consulting Group and I kind of accidentally fell into becoming a business analyst, which is totally not me at all. Um, this is actually really interesting. What is a business analyst? I didn't actually ever find out. <laughs> As somebody who analyzes business, I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I basically, somebody walked past my desk one day and said... Um, did you do marketing for your degree? And I said, yeah. And they said, um, have you done any PR? And I said, well, I, I know the, the ins and outs of, of PR, yeah. And they said, okay, come with me. And off we went to a meeting with Hewlett Packard. Um, because unbeknown to many people in PA Consulting Group, we had a small, uh, PR, effectively a full-service PR agency in-house. Nobody knew this, but we were servicing clients like Virgin, uh, Intel, and, uh, and primarily Hewlett Packard. And that was who I worked with for three years. So that gave me a really good grounding um, in the whole area of particularly writing. And I think as my career went on, uh, we went traveling for a year and a half. We then moved back here to Ireland. Um, we, you'd obviously picked up I'd a co-pilot. At yes, I picked up a co-pilot because I am actually convinced, and I've said this a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand more, that the Irish government definitely has a training scheme for like mermaids and sirens because you just send your women you just send your women out probably probably on Aer Lingus that's why you have a national airline for you send your women out on Aer Lingus to other countries to get men and just get yeah. them to come back here um, yeah. we need somebody to work the land exactly I know tell me about it um, while you lot disappear off and have a great crack elsewhere in warmer countries um, so I came back here um, in 2000 um, as I say, I've worked in comms for years and years. Uh, you and I worked together in uh, in AIB mm. for a number of years, um, and it was there probably that I ran the full gamut of of good boss, bad boss. Um, we'll go into that in a while, I guess. But it was last year that I left AIB. I started up Inspiring Change. I have a real love of writing. I have a real love of people and connecting people. And Inspiring Change is all about helping organizations and leaders to connect and communicate in a way that is very authentic, that's very clear and is very engaging. So through things like corporate narrative, through things like leader upskill and through things like communication strategy, to try and help organizations to bring their people on their journeys, particularly when they're going through change. Corporate narrative. Mm. That's, that's a, a, it's a relatively news phrase that, I, that I've heard mm. around, but just briefly. So I guess that's a really cracking example of uh, me using uh, business BS um, when I shouldn't be because that's exactly the thing I'm telling people not to do. Um, corporate narrative for me is a story. So right. it's all about how do you bring how do you bring your people on a journey in a more emotional way? How do you emotionally connect your people to your organization, to your strategy, to help them all pull the chariot in the same direction towards your vision for your organization? You know, oftentimes so you see a 28-page strategy document and it's just turgid um, and right. actually been able to summarize that on one page and show people it's been put together by a business analyst exactly <laughs> yes somebody who analyzes business yes exactly um, but to be able to show people you know on a more emotional level the part they play in helping the organization achieve its goals and objectives yeah. that's really really important in terms of getting your people on board cool so that's what that's what you're doing now and um, so for a, a communications expert uh, who came from a business analyst to to PR to comms expert, who's usually your boss in in an organization? You know, you whether whether it be when you're a consultant or or actually if you're working in you know HP or somewhere like that, mm. who who is the boss for you? You know, what, what's the general structure there? It's really funny, and actually, it's 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 when you work in an area like comms and engagement, where you're working with people around um, corporate strategy and narrative and culture. 
it can be lots and lots of different people. It could be in a smaller company, anywhere from the CEO to the MD to a head of HR. Um, in a much bigger company, there might be a group head of internal comms. Um, you could still be reporting into HR, or you might be, as I was, in a business partner role where you've technically got kind of dotted lines, one into your yeah. boss boss and the other one into the person perhaps that you're working for, who's generally going to be kind of a an exec committee member, kind of very senior, uh, very senior person in the organization. And they're kind of your dotted line boss, I guess, because they're the person you're doing the most work with every day. So it could be a real range of people. Um, and then when you come to a consulting world, there's a whole other layer on top because that could be a change, you know, somebody in the head of change. It could be a head of projects. Yeah. It could be a program manager. It could be lots and lots of different people. But I think to make to make real and lasting difference in the kind of work that I do, it has to be driven from the C-suite. It has to be driven from the top of the organization and that whole say-do conundrum. Yeah. I say one thing and I do the same thing, not I say one thing and I do something else. That's so, so important, and that has to come from the top. People have to see that right at the top of the organization. So to get to get into that boss uh, element of where... Where have most of your bosses been? Have they been at the C-suite? When did you kind of break through to actually all of my bosses are execs? Did, was that early on in your career that actually you kind of raised to that level of <coughs> of bossness? You know where you were working for those guys. It's kind of funny. I've always worked in consult. I've always worked in consulting, so I've actually very rarely worked in house. So when I was in PA Consulting Group, yes, I had a boss in house, and it was really hierarchical in there that you were a partner, and then you were a junior partner as you went down the organization. That was quite hierarchical, yeah. and my boss there would have been a senior manager reporting into a partner in the organization. But then, of course, you've got your clients, so then you are beholden to them as well. And they would have been senior senior product managers and senior marketing managers in, in places like Hewlett-Packard and, and Intel and Virgin. So, you know, that was interesting because, again, you had the external boss and the internal boss to keep happy. I worked myself probably then for 10 years until I came to, um, until I came to AIB in 2012. Um, and that was probably the first time that I'd, I'd actually had what you might term a kind of a proper boss, in inverted yeah. commas. Yeah, as um, in a normal, as in a normal hierarchical, you know, I report to you, you report to him, he reports to her, she reports to the boss, that yeah. kind of a thing. So it's the, probably the first time that I'd that I'd had that. Um, yeah. And I think, again, you know, at the, at the ripe old age of, of 45, you know, you're probably getting to that point in your career, or certainly I was, where you were, because you were more senior, you were starting to report to more to more senior people. Right. And have you been the boss yourself much? Is that something that you know you you've taken on have you have you chased it to be the boss i've been the boss of me a lot um right. of my career you're um, not the boss of me i am the boss <laughs> I, I am indeed the boss of me my wife better not listen to this because she thinks she's the boss of me oh, um, yeah. and my kids obviously the the 13 year old particularly um thinks that she's the boss of me um <laughs> i think in in an organizational um kind of setting i was the boss for a while in aib um, and we worked in aib yeah. in terms of looking after the business partner community and i think it's funny that i talk a lot about you know the best practice of of being a boss and what you should be doing um and the analogy i use is you know we have people who are really good technical specialists you could be a lawyer you could be an it person you could work in customer services you could work in wherever in an organization and we tend to take you when you get to a certain level in the organization and we drop you into a people leadership role because you're senior yeah, now and that's absolutely. that's yeah. what you should do. You need yeah. to have a team. My take on the whole thing is, and the analogy I like to use is, you wouldn't take Usain Bolt from a running track and drop him into a swimming pool 
and expect him to be able to race Ian Thorpe and win or be as good as Ian Thorpe. Yeah, because I mean, he what, probably would be because he's just a talented Because he's not a great guy. all-rounder. <laughs> but point being, it's two completely different things. So why yeah. we take people from being really good tech specialists, just really good subject matter experts, and drop them into people manager roles, and actually they can sink or swim and they need help. And actually, I probably did, if I'm being fair, I probably did need a bit of help. Um, yeah. it wasn't so you, something you were 45 at this stage, and this yeah, was your first... Probably 43. 43. Proper boss job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, uh, you're the boss. You yeah. have to do it all, that people stuff. You have to do the PRs. Yeah. You have to do the... Uh, somebody's turning up late. You have yeah. to deal with that even. Yeah. You have to deal with people who are acting like goat in meetings or whatever it is. You have to deal with all that for the first time in your career. Yeah, all that stuff at the ripe old age of 43. Yeah. And how did that go? Probably best to ask the other people, I guess, that I was managing. Um, I think, okay, it had its ups and downs. And I think that anybody that thinks they can go into a people management role and it be absolutely cushy all the time is probably a liar um, yes. or, is, or is probably slightly delusional because it never yeah. is. Um, it's people. So there's always things that are going to go wrong and there's always things that are going to go right. And I think, you know, it was, it was probably a really mixed experience for me. Um, and probably, you know, would I say I was good at it? I think I was probably okay, and give I think it, I probably haven't had a lot of practice. Yeah, give it, give us the, give us the low of people management. What, what would come to mind when you go, oh my god, I remember having to deal with with this kind of type of situation. That that was a low. I think it's occasionally when you forget that you're when you forget that you're a people manager for a minute, and you perhaps okay. say something that you shouldn't have said. You perhaps it's a, it's a throwaway comment. It's a way you handled yourself in a meeting. It's something that just happened. And afterwards, with you know, with hindsight, which is a wonderful thing, yeah. you kind of go, that pr- probably would have been okay if I was his pal, if we were out yeah. in the pub having a beer. But actually now I'm his boss. And I can't really allow that to happen. And actually it's interesting. I was, um, I was chatting to somebody yesterday on the podcast and we talked about exactly that and how when you become the boss, actually... It's a different. It's it's a different situation, um, where you're not their pal anymore. You have to yeah. almost sl- take a slight step back and kind of separate yourself away. Power distance out of the mix, kind of. I suppose, kind yeah. of. And not even just about power, really about trying to be. And maybe it's being able to bring a bit of objectivity to a situation. Maybe it's having to look at that situation slightly differently. You know, yes, with my with my pal hat on when I was a peer, I might have handled yeah. this situation like this. Now, I probably have to handle the situation slightly differently. Yeah, okay. I won't ask you how that went. But then I, what, I will, what I will ask you is then give me the high of that. So this, this was a unique experience. And it is, it is kind of strange that somebody would get in at that level in an organization and not have had that experience before this. You've had influencing experience with the consultancy before, but this was the first time direct. So give us the high. What was the one that you went, oh, love that bit about it. I think it's really good when you have, and, and it can be a, the tiniest little thing, when you've had a discussion with somebody, be that in a in a in a, in a you know in a PR review, be that in a one to one, be that as in a walk around the block after after lunch, and you suggest they do something and they do it and it works, and actually it makes a real difference in their life or makes a real difference in the lives of the people that they are serving, for want of a better word, that they're working with, you know, their clients internally. In my case, yeah, that they they put that in place and they go. You know what? That worked. Thanks, Emil. That was really good. And they can be the tiniest, the tiniest of little things. It's not something yeah. monumental. Um, oftentimes, it's just the tiny wee things that you watch. And I know one, one of the girls I worked with in AIB left recently, 
Right. And I said, I didn't, I never managed her, um, but I was, I was, we all worked together as a fairly tight knit team and she was leaving. And I said, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud to have worked with you as you went through your journey. Got, got your heart. Cause she came, you. she was straight out of college and I said, you know, I'm, right, I'm, yeah. I've watched you on your journey and I think yeah. you've done an amazing job. Well done. I think it's great. Um, so it's just nice to see people grow. I think that's probably the main thing. Yeah. Okay. Privileged position to be in, certainly to be the boss. Yeah. Um, so Moving on to, to why we're here to talk about good bosses mm. and bad bosses, um, I think what we'll do is we'll start on the low and then we'll raise mm. to the high at the end. Which So we'll start with the bad boss. Mm. Um, you know, for me, the reason I'm doing this podcast is to kind of educate people through experiences and sharing experiences uh, about what's good and bad. Because one thing that surprised me um, was that my experience of what a bad boss was isn't necessarily everybody else's experience. It depends on your personality type. It depends on what kind of leader you respond to. Um, and my experience of what a good boss is is somebody else's nightmare of what a boss is as well. So I, I you know, that, that's why I'm asking these questions. So in your experience, and uh, we'll caveat that, this is your experience of what a bad boss is like. Can you share with us a story um, to keep everybody happy? We'll change the names to protect the guilty as well as the innocent. Um, and give us, give us a flavor of what it was like to work for that bad boss and why, why they kind of deserve this label of bad boss, in your opinion. It's a great question. There was, a, there was, there was one person I worked with um, for about a year, some years back, who was a, an abject workaholic. Work came before anything else. Super smart, knew exactly what they were doing in their role, um, knew exactly where they wanted to bring the organization, but had, I would argue, almost zero emotional intelligence, almost zero real interest in people. And when there was an interest in people, you kind of looked at that and you went, I don't quite believe that you actually mean it. The agenda you were looking for the yeah the other yeah. you know the the reason they were inter they're interested in people so mm. they must be they must want something so how are you how was your weekend and I'm like well I'm not sure what you, do you want I'm not sure you actually care how my weekend was so I don't yeah. really know why you're asking the question and I think you know there were a couple of examples there where you know that complete that lack of people first in inverted commas um, which for me is really important when you're in particularly in big organisations. That whole idea that, you know, Branson would argue, actually, it's about people first. And if you put your people first, then, you know, they'll put your customer first and that's how you build business. I think from a leadership perspective, when you put others first and not your own team, not the people that work closest with you, that's, you're, you're on a slippery slope. And, you know, a, a couple of examples, you know, I got hauled in one afternoon when obviously, you know, this particular person was having a bad day um, to be told that, you know, if I thought I was good at what I did, then I had another thing coming. And, you know, in terms of, you know, how, how, how that person rated me, that I was a two out of 10. Oh, right. So this was feedback time. Oh, yeah. Feedback time. And when I came out, I mean, I was, I was, I'd never been spoken to like that before in an organization. Right. By anybody. And you've um, been working for, for, you know, over 20 years. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've never been spoken yeah. to like that ever in my career. And I came out of the, um, I, I came out of the room slightly surprised and ashen faced because I was, this not quite the conversation I was expecting to have. Um, anyway, regardless of whether, whether I was going to get a performance review off the cuff or not. And when I came out, one of the lads saw me and said, are you okay? And I went, you will never believe the conversation I've just had. And he said, yeah. 
was it the two out of ten conversation? Oh, classic. And this I went, was a, this was a strategy. This was a thing. Was it the two out of ten <laughs> conversation? And I went, oh, brilliant. Yes, it was. No way. That's brilliant. And I mean, it's a genius thing. <laughs> obviously, a number of us have had, 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 had the two out of ten conversation, which became a bit of a thing. And this person, when they left the office, when they left the <laughs> office in the evening um, to go home, it was like suddenly the Pogues, literally, and you know, there was this collective <sighs> of relaxation, which to me just wow. smarted of a culture and of, of an air that was just so wrong. How yeah. you think you get the best people get the best out of people by creating a culture like that i've no idea so the two the, so yeah i give you two out of ten so the two out of ten was the baseline that everybody got when they went in to talk to this boss yeah. and then after that this was the motivator so motivation it's stick motivation not carrot motivation but for i sure. don't even know if it was motivation or not but what it was was just a damning indictment of everything you'd done to that point in time and if it was meant to be motivational i can absolutely concur <laughs> that I was not motivated. <laughs> right. I was largely demotivated. And actually, what funny thing is... Did you challenge it? I'm interested. Did you, did you go, I disagree? I think I was too shell-shocked, actually. Yeah. Having never been spoken to like that before and having not actually realized that that's how people spoke to each other in, in large corporates, um, yeah. I was kind of surprised, to be perfectly honest. Um, so I kind of just, a bit like a, bit like a kind of stunned deer in the headlights... I kind of went, I kind of said, oh, oh, okay then, and I left. And I was kind of like, Jesus, that was just bizarre. It what, almost what? felt like an out, it felt like an out of body experience, nearly. Yeah, it, it is fascinating. I wasn't expecting this story. That's a good one. So, what way did that leave your self esteem? Been told, been told that. Now, it's good to know that you know, in that you were all put into the same trench, so you were all two out of two out of ten. So at least you had that kind of like, well, we're all twos. It must have affected your self-esteem and your work, therefore. No, totally. There was a certain there was a certain sense of camaraderie built among the team. Yeah. Um, just to go, well, look, never mind. It doesn't matter. It's just you know that's just how that person is. And in my head, I'm going, but how can that be okay? How yeah. Can, how can that be yeah. acceptable? How can that be all right? It does give your self-esteem a kicking. Um, it does. And actually, the funny thing is, you know, it's funny you should mention and say, well, m- maybe that's how that person motivated people, but it completely demotivated me and made me kind of go well actually you know what i have absolutely no interest in doing the best for you yeah no interest at all do you know if anybody would be motivated by that like you know because so this is you know again i'm kind of saying that you know that one person's bad boss is another person's good boss was there anybody on the team that went i just got the two out of ten talking do you know what i want to be a five at least i'm not i'm not i don't suffer politics um, yeah. and I'm not and never have been and never will be a political animal. I'd rather call it as it is. Um, I know other people who are in that situation who would have been happy just to say, well, listen, that's okay. I'll just take that. I'll brush it off because I know there's a bigger prize and I can just play the system and yeah. I'll work around it and that's okay. I'm not going to let that get to me. Whereas I kind of said, you know what? Frankly, I couldn't care less about a prize. I couldn't care less about a system. I'm not going to have someone speak to me like that. It's just not acceptable. Right, yeah. So you so, checked out at that stage from yeah. that boss. Yeah. Over one conversation, like, I mean, you remember that conversation quite well. No, so was it, it was, was it that one conversation or was it build, build up? That was one thing. It was a build up. And actually, I can tell you, and this is, this is something that I, I, I had said to people in that organization um, when I used to do some work with the people leaders. Um, and I, 
remember a couple of probably a year in when I was getting to the end of my kind of tenure with that particular person, I'd been on a holiday and it was one of those holidays which was just amazing. It was just, okay, cool. we were in the South France with friends in a great location, in a great place we were staying, really nice food every night, really nice wine, great crack. Nothing happened, but it was bad. It was just an amazing holiday. It was just a great holiday. Yeah. I can picture, and it's really, really clear in my head, walking down the side of the sea where I live up in, up in North Dublin to the dart station on that first Monday morning back. Yeah. Feeling physically unwell going into work. Right. Knowing that I was walking back into that. That's the physical impact that that person had on me and was probably having on other people in the organization. A bit like, you know, the bad apple in the barrel. Um, yes. You know, and, yeah. that just, and that just spreading through the barrel. But I remember going, I can't, I, I, I don't know how people go to work feeling like this because, you know, you know me and other people listening to this might know me and I'm not that kind of, I'm not that kind of person. That's not my makeup. But yeah. I just remember going in that day going, oh my God, this is just horrific. Yeah, and it's amazing the stress it puts you under. And as you say, make, and that stress has to come out somewhere. And yes, it's just words. That, this is what I find amazing. I mean, nobody's yeah. hit you. I mean, they've stopped beating people you know, in work now for quite some time. Yeah. And yes, it has that physical impact. Yeah. I find that, you know, regardless of, of what type of boss we're talking about, the boss has a major impact. Yeah. You know, that they say 70% of people leave a job because of the boss or whatever. I can't remember the statistic. Yeah. You probably know it. Yeah, yeah but it is, it, is, it is around. I mean, it is you know, that whole idea of people don't leave companies, they leave bosses. Yes, yeah. And yeah. it's true. And uh, uh, the other one I liked was, uh, it, it's again, it's around 70. Somebody can Google it. But um, that 70% uh, of people would forgo a pay rise to see their boss get fired, yeah. <laughs> which I find a fascinating one. Yeah, so brilliant. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. I, do you think, like, you know, taking reflecting back on that bad boss, uh, situation do you do you think we can get a we can get a little of un unconscious bias ourselves in relation to these people because i mean essentially they're making y you were a people leader thrown into the deep end and you might have made some errors do you think can you tell the difference between a boss who's making a few errors but can learn from it and a boss who's who's uh hang on they're not learning from it i think that's important as well like i can forgive somebody who's kind of doing their best but drop the ball a few times yeah. do you know what i mean but what was it like with that boss were they did they improve at all or grow i think for me it's about oftentimes it's about having having the boss who's willing enough to put their hand up and say mea culpa right yeah i screwed that up and i think that everybody screws up once in a while we all mess up we all do the wrong thing we all say the wrong thing but the bigger person comes back and says i'm sorry that happened yeah okay i'm sorry that we had to have that conversation um and i'm sorry the way that i handled it because actually that wasn't the best way to handle it. Can we sit down and talk about it? And actually fesses up. It's an interesting how, yeah. So maybe people can have a think about that when they're listening to yeah. this, is how many times have you heard your boss say sorry? Yeah, absolutely. That, might, that might be a, a, an indication of a leader who's willing to learn at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was chatting you know, to my... A sincere sorry. A sincere sorry. Not was, the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, not the, not the, yeah, the, the pretend sorry. I was chatting to one of the guys on my own podcast yesterday. I was interviewing um, the, the former head of comms in Rolls-Royce. And we talked about, you know, bosses. And he said that was the one thing for him was, you know, a boss that's willing to put their hand up and say, you know, I screwed up there. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, because you'll almost forgive everything else. Yeah. Because they're human. Do you think, do you think corporates in general have, uh, have cultures where it's okay to do that? I or are know. people afraid? 
for bosses, do you think bosses, you know, if they stood up and said, ah, oh, got that wrong, sorry about that, that they would go, are you mental? I think that perhaps in some organizations, yes. I think that probably in some of the younger organizations, no. I think when you look at the likes of a Google, a Facebook, a LinkedIn, a you know, an Airbnb, any of those which are much, much younger, which don't carry the baggage and the, you know, what I like yeah. to think about the wet blanket around the shoulders of perhaps some of the older organizations that in those, then perhaps it's easier to do that. Um, or perhaps it isn't because they're 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 scared of failure. Um, yeah. I think that whole the whole idea of a or a fear of a fear of failure. Um, you see, for me, people should embrace failure because actually failure is good because failure means you're trying. Yeah. Something different. You're pushing. You're pushing the boundaries, and perhaps sometimes it won't work, but two times out of ten it will work, and they're the two times that make a real difference. Yeah. Two out of ten again. Uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. It must be a thing in my head now. I've been psychologically damaged. Um, but PTSD. I think that I think that bosses could do more to say I'm sorry or I tried that it didn't work let's try something else Um, yeah okay and actually it's a great way to open up to people and get them on your side yeah yeah okay that's great okay and then let's flip the coin the other way so tell tell me about a time (laughs) tell me about a good boss and just just give me a, a couple of examples to illustrate what made them such a good boss so I think so. So actually, it's the same organisation, um, and it was um, it was my boss who was the group head of comms and engagement at the boroughs, um, who literally prides himself. We will just we will name the good ones. We'll, we'll, we'll good protect ones. the bad ones, and, yeah, and yeah. if they recognise themselves, please take this as a feedback opportunity to learn and grow. Good ones, take this as a compliment and high five yourself. There you go. I won't get sued. <laughs> I won't get sued for saying nice things about people. Yeah. Um, but you know, look for him. He prides himself in his people leadership, and it was all about people first. Okay, yeah. It was all about people first. To the Sometimes, you know, maybe to the detriment of the organization, that he would yeah. always put his people at the very heart of everything he stood for, and by God, he would stand over you um, and protect you to the, okay, to, to yeah. the end. Um, from, 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 from the corporate, you know, potentially the corporate monster uh, and, the, and the culture they're in. It was, it was really interesting that, you know, for him, there was no work and personal. Okay. It was no leave the leave the emotional personal at the front door when I come into work that day. It was all personal and work okay. all rolled into one because that whole idea of bringing your whole self to work for him was at the very core of who he was and at the very core of what he believed a really good team looked like. That how, you know, not to get cut in, but how did you know that, that that's what he stood for? That's a, a interesting. You know, because you, you're quite... You kind of seem to know well, this is his philosophy, but mm. did he say it or did he show it? That's what I'm interested in, kind of. Both. And I think right. what's interesting is to pick up on that thing I said earlier on about that kind of that say and do gulf. Um, you know, he would say, you know, I put people leadership at the very heart of what I do and people in my book are number one. Yeah. And his actions were exactly that. His actions were defending you in meetings. His actions were, and he, he once said to me, I will always, even if you're in the wrong, and I know you're in the wrong, I will always defend you. Yeah. Don't let, don't think though that we won't have to have a conversation about it after, but I will never throw you under a bus. So he would defend you even if you were wrong? Yep. De- def- would he own up to you being wrong? Yeah, I and never, then uh, say, hey, look, Scott made a mistake. I was lucky it never happened. Um, but, you know, for me, it was about, I think bosses oftentimes will look at you and go, yeah, cannon fodder. I'll throw you on, you know, oh, I'm, ha- right, okay. I'm happy to throw you under the bus so that I don't have to jump under the bus. Yes. And yeah. he would never do that. Um, okay. I guess it was more the point I was trying to make. You yeah, know, okay, you, yeah. You'd, you'd never become a scapegoat for something that, for something that uh, went wrong. Yeah, okay. Um, 
you know, it was always about us being better versions of ourselves. So it was right. about self-development. It was about training. It was about coaching. He took a very coaching, um, a very coaching leadership approach. Yeah. Um, in terms of how he led, um, he always used to he always used to give out to me actually when we did one to ones or when we had kind of mid to year end reviews, because I'd uh, you know he'd be telling me all the good stuff. Uh, you know you've done this well, you've done that well, you've done the next thing well, and um, and I'd be like, oh, stop, 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 stop. You know that typical. You know I've I've lived in Ireland now for eighteen years. Yes. So I've taken on so that, take that Irish not taking a compliment thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, I've, yeah. I've I've taken that to heart. Um. So he used to get really irate about that. He's like, would you just bloody take the compliment and be pleased and happy? And then of course he'd, he'd give you the developmental feedback, to which he would say, and then you look like a bulldog chewing a wasp. Um, right. <laughs> back through the years, but actually what I learned was. That 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 developmental feedback is actually much much more important than yeah. you know than the positive feedback, which is nice to hear and it's nice to have a pat on the back and a nice warm fuzzy glow. But actually, if you want to better yourself, if you want to do things and be a better version of yourself, then actually fixing the bad stuff yeah. is almost better and probably worth more than doing more of the good stuff. Fixing the bad stuff is better and worth more than doing more of the good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of. Uh, balancing your weaknesses and your strengths is it yeah for sure yeah but i think probably putting more of a focus for me on maybe what you're not quite so good at okay as opposed to just doing more of what you are good at that's an interesting one so the the whole brian o'driscoll uh thing and um if brian o'driscoll's listen please do tell me i'm wrong in this because that'd just be interesting to get a message or, or, <laughs> indeed, or indeed come on the podcast <laughs> yeah he be could be he could be number two yes that'd yeah. be brilliant um but you know, I, I think he, he went through a period where uh, coaches were focusing on his weaknesses to bring up the weaknesses in his game, and his game went downhill a bit mm. because he was focusing on weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But another coach, uh, another um, performance coach came in, and they said, well, why are you focusing on your weaknesses? Focus on your strengths, mm. because that's what ma- got you here anyway, mm-hmm. and that's what we want you to do on the team. Yeah. And then he had a resurgence. You know, he, he, he kind of got his got his groove back, for mm. want of a better way. So in, th- in that sense... W- mm. What do you think about that? The challenges that you know, because I'm interested in that. You know, so a, a boss that promotes your strengths, or a boss that develops your weaknesses, or is it about how they do it? I don't think it's about him looking at me and saying, "You're a really good communicator, but you're not very good at budgeting. We right. need to get you better at budgeting," because I literally I have an allergic reaction to numbers. <laughs> so I think it's probably more about looking at. So if you take, let's look at Gallup Strength Finder. Yeah. Which, which I'm, I'm sure you've probably done yes, and I've done. Yeah. And actually, if, if anybody out there hasn't done it, you can buy the book for 15 quid on Amazon yeah. and it's really good. And their whole philosophy there is we will tell you what your strengths are in order yeah. of their importance of the, to you. Um, and we suggest that you focus on your top five. So if you're very good at communications and people leadership, that's what you do. If you're not very good at being a business analyst um, <laughs> or being an accountant, if they're right down the list, then don't do them. Get a business an analyst or an accountant yeah. to do that stuff and focus on what you're really good at. So it's probably less about him. It's probably less about him giving me feedback on my development areas that their development areas that were completely different right, to the areas yeah. I was focused on. So it might have been, you know, within the sphere of internal comms engagement. You know, you might want to think more about this element of it or that element of it rather than yes, you're really okay. good at internal comms and engagement and strategy development and all that stuff. But you need to think more about the budgeting piece. We need to put you on a budgeting course. Oh right. So that okay, wasn't. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't. 
it wasn't that kind yeah, of yeah yeah it wasn't that kind of developing wasn't forcing your weaknesses. the triangle into the circle bit no, in the Montessori exactly. school no 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 it was much more about how do we make you a better version of you by helping you to build on the on on the strengths that you have already because there are just, there are just areas that you're perhaps not quite so good at and if I was giving feedback I'd be saying to people look you know perhaps you need to think more about your quality of writing okay yeah which is a core part of working in communications yes. so I'm not asking them to go off and learn how to build a bridge um, yeah. or be an engineer or do maths i'm just saying to them you know look it's something you know an area that probably could do being lifted a wee bit is your writing yeah. so that's i suppose the kind of developmental feedback that that we would have gotten and of course alongside that um hugely important for him was recognition um, right and i think again another piece for me as of good boss is that whole ability to be able to recognize when someone's done something really well and that's not necessarily about presenting them with a giant bouquet of flowers in front of 200 people in an open plan office and everyone stands yeah, up and cheers and yeah. shouts sometimes it's a quiet pat on the back a thank you a text message i remember actually i ran um i ran an event once for one of the one of the senior team in an organization i worked in and when i came back from the event that evening i'd been tidying up and doing some stuff she'd gone back to her office <coughs> And there was a piece of paper that she grabbed out the printer. And in a marker that she'd grabbed off my desk, yeah. she just wrote on this bit of paper, Scott, thanks a million. That was a cracking event. Wrote her name and just left it on my desk. And you know what? That that stayed on my desk, just pinned there. Um, and that meant almost more to me than yeah. some of the big recognition dinners or prizes or a trophy or because it was heartfelt. Yeah, the fact that you can remember it as well shows yeah. that it's stuck because, yeah. I mean, it's a number of years ago, I'm assuming, and it's stuck in your mind. The same as, you know, the same as the bad stuff sticks in your mind. A small note with a, a, a marker that, you know, uh, was, was found on a desk and a piece of paper. Yeah. That's as simple as it needed to be for you at that time. Absolutely. And, 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 and from a recognition perspective, that means different things from different people. You know, being handed a bunch of flowers in front of 200 people, for some people, they would literally rather eat glass than be yeah. in that situation. Um, and for other people, if you just sent them a very quiet text message and a pat on the back, that would massively offend them because they're the ones yeah. that want to to be in that in that situation, I guess. And that probably leads me on to the final piece about, um, about good boss, and that's just knowing your team. Like I tell clients all the time that the best and best way to have a really solid communication strategy is to have really, really good communication skills among your leadership team, among your people leaders, because yeah. they're the ones, and, and he would know that my 10-year wedding anniversary is coming up, that we've just had a baby, that it's my 40th birthday, that you know another team member's mother is unwell. Um, and he would always ask in yeah. a way that was real, not as before, you know, how was your weekend? And you're going to go, well, you don't really care, do you? Yes, yeah, yeah. But he would ask in a way that was very real um, and very decent. And I think that leaders can do a lot by knowing their people really well. You might only have, you know, the average team's probably got 10 or 12 people in it, maybe. Yeah, 15, I think, is the kind of, you know, yeah. they always try to push it to about 15 and it's for not a hard. team leader. Yeah. yeah, and it's not hard to know 15 people. You know, you're not no. going to know them in depth. They might not want you to know them in depth, some no. of them, because people are going to be private. But actually, you can probably know enough about them to yeah. know when they're having a bad day and perhaps why, and to know that, you know, they, they weren't cranky in that meeting because you'd done something wrong and they were cranky in the meeting because something happened at home or something happened to their yeah. dog or they're in the very early stages of pregnancy and they're feeling dreadful. Um, so all of those things. And just, again, it comes back to that whole people first and actually just letting 
letting people be themselves and getting the best from them. And I think for me, that's what he was very good at. Brilliant. Okay, so we've had the bad boss, we've had the good boss, um, good good lessons there, I think. But let's try and condense that down to to finish this off. So I'll I'll recap, and then you and you think as I recap, and you tell me. Well, actually, yeah, if I look at it this way, so. For our bad boss, the two out of eight conversation, we're going to call him the two out of eight boss. Um, we're, it's crap feedback, essentially, is what we're looking at here. Is just the feedback was no no good because you couldn't do anything with it. And also, it was too generic for everything. So, uh, you know, other people were getting that feedback, so it wasn't specific to you. That's what I'm kind of taking from that. Uh, and the, they had lost the dressing room, so to speak. They'd lost the team. So if the team was feeling a different way when they were there and they weren't there, that, to me, is losing the dressing room. And then on the flip side, with the good boss, they protected you first. That's not throwing you under a bus is something that, that was a big deal for you, mm. is being protected in the right way. Um, recognizing, you know, recognizing the team when they'd done a good job and, and in every small way kind of, you know, doing, doing something that would show them that you've noticed that they've done a good job. And uh, know your team, as you said at the end, you know what I mean, just to, to take the time to actually get to know them as people so that they can actually understand that you care i suppose is that it so what what lesson do you take out of that when it's thrown back at you then in, in relation to a uh, good boss bad boss what lessons would you take out of it i think for me it's i think that people first thing is has to be the lead that you take um you know you're a people leader it's your role to bring people through the organization to get them aligned with what the business is trying to achieve the team first is trying to achieve then perhaps the division then the business it's your job to align them to that to that vision um, and to make sure that happens and then to guide them in a way that gets the best out of them yeah um, i think my good boss did that my bad boss example there didn't have a hope in hell of doing that because she just didn't she didn't have as emotionally she didn't have our hearts yeah she had our heads um, okay. Because we just had to watch for things, be, you know, metaphorical things being thrown at us. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say it sounds like she would have your head. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but didn't but didn't have our hearts. Um, yeah. And actually, I think you need both to be a really really successful leader to build a really good team. You need to have both, and without yeah. both, it's just not going to happen. Great. Okay. Scott, thanks a million for uh, taking the time. Uh, we, we've, we, we've been talking for, uh, what's, oh my God, yeah, we've been talking for quite some time now, <laughs> nearly uh, 40 minutes, to 30 minutes now. So it's amazing what kind of conversations we can have about a good boss and bad boss. Um, uh, I, I hope this uh, gets other people thinking. So uh, when I call you, whoever you are out there and you've listened to this, this is how it's going to flow. Scott was a brilliant, uh, brilliant guy for being very open about um, your good boss and bad boss and also your journey to, to that point uh, and also about being a boss yourself that wasn't something i thought about doing before but I, I might throw that in for uh future podcasts as well um we talked a little bit before about self-branding here and uh, this is my chance this this podcast is not sponsored yet so this edition is going to be sponsored by inspiring change thank you <laughs> so i'd like to mention your company so inspiring change give us give us the uh quick one-liner in relation to what you can do for companies out there if anybody wants to get in touch with you so inspiring change is about helping leaders and organizations to communicate in a way that's more authentic more clear and more engaging um, that's around things like corporate storytelling around leader upskill and around uh, communication strategy you can find out more at inspiringchange.ie um, forward slash blog if you want to read my blogs that i publish every week or forward slash podcast if you want to listen to the second now second best podcast in ireland um <laughs> so um yeah, the so first there we go. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh, that's brilliant. And uh, spoken like a true expert communicator, by the way. <laughs> so uh, th- if you read the blog uh, that Scott put up this week, it's about getting to the point in relation to your communication. So um, well worth a read uh, of the blogs and well worth a listen to Face Forward as well. You, there's, there's gold in them there hills when you listen to some of the people he's talked to, real business leaders in Ireland here. Um, well, well worth a listen. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, but I do give Face Forward my time because it's well worth a listen. So... Scott, thank you very much for taking the time. I really appreciate this. And congratulations on being the first person on the Good Boss, Bad Boss podcast. Pleasure was all mine. Thanks a million for having me on. Thank you to Scott for being so generous with his time and advice while putting this podcast together. If you have a guest you'd like to hear from or you have some comment on this show, please drop me a mail at stephen at stephennaughton.com. You can find more from me at www.stephennaughton.com. And I'll be back next month with another Good Boss, Bad Boss guest. Until then, goodbye.